Can you unblock creativity? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Bethania Barre Harrison, an opera stage director, McCleave Fellow in Directing with Opera Memphis, and serves as a liaison for the Latinx community engagement. We hope that you enjoy the episode today and remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. Can you unblock creativity? That's what we're looking at in our coaching tip for the week today. So here's the thing. I've met people who tell me, I'm just not creative. I've never been creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. Or somewhere along the way, someone told them that they aren't creative. I firmly believe that every human being is creative. Here's the thing. If you haven't had time and space to listen to yourself and to listen to what's inside, you might not know how to access it. So that's the first tip. Take time and space to sit and be with yourself and listen. Simply listen to what comes up in your heart, in your mind, what your body feels like. Meditation is a great place to access this. But if you don't have a meditation practice, just simply create time to sit still and listen to what comes up. The second thing to talk about is masculine and feminine energy. Now, there's a whole lot of research out there about masculine and feminine energy and what it does, and how it exists inside us. And I firmly believe that creativity comes from feminine energy. So if you're sitting in masculine energy all day, this could be hard to access. An example of this is, my brain runs a mile a minute. So sometimes I'm strategizing, and I'm in my calendar, and I'm moving from appointment to appointment, or I'm making plans for tomorrow, or next week, or the next five years. And that that running, that constant running of strategy and planning, I would call masculine energy. Feminine energy is more about flow. Now, (laughs) stick with me. Some people get really triggered by this word flow because it could mean simply just sitting and being with the energy that you can access from a place of creativity. So stick with me for a second. Feminine energy comes from a place of ease and flow and freedom And it is completely outside of anything that you can control or navigate. So sometimes I meet men and women or anybody really that has that center blocked. So we have to sit and take time to get away from that strategy and that mind and into our heart. The third tip is give yourself permission to do something different. Oftentimes I find that executives are stuck in the moment because they've been trying things one way and they simply need to give themselves permission. Take time to give yourself permission. The third thing is give yourself permission to do something different. Oftentimes I'll sit with executives and they're doing things the same way over and over and they're wondering why it doesn't work. And instead, they simply need permission to try something different. This is often where brainstorming or creativity or those beautiful mind mapping exercises are allowed to come out when you give yourself permission to take time to listen to your soul, your heart, and your creative edge. Unblocking creativity.
today I have Bethania Bure with me. Bethania Bure Harrison, because she got married. And when I knew her, <laughs> she was just Bure. Oh, I can't say enough about this woman. We met when I was an undergrad at New Mexico State University, and that was so long ago. We both have lived like many, many, many lives since then. <laughs> but she's incredible. She's light. She's love. She's passion. Um, she's an opera stage director. She's currently a McLean Fellow with uh, Opera Memphis, which I'm sure we'll get into and talk a little bit more about. And she's the liaison for the Latinx community engagement there. Also super powerful and important. And um, was an opera and vocal instructor for a long time with Arkansas State University as well. So thanks for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I guess where I'd like to start is how did you get into opera and how did you end up in New Mexico State? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, that does feel like lifetimes ago, I have to say. I guess I've always... I've always been a creative, you know, I'm sure you as well. And I've always searched for ways in which, you know, I can maintain creative outlets. Um, I started off obviously as a singer, a classical singer. I ended up at New Mexico State only because like my parents were like, you have to go to a school that's really close and that's yep. it. <laughs> Welcome to how we all end up there. <laughs> Please stay close. <laughs> yeah. That was the only reason, like my parents, I, I auditioned for other schools and my parents were like, no, obviously like you can't, you need to stay close. So that was it for me. So I went to uh, New Mexico State where I met Elena and I did my undergrad in music education. And then, Just like me, we both got music education. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, it's a great music education school, right? Yeah. And then uh, I went to Arizona after that for my master's in music ed- in vocal performance. And then that led me to the University of Memphis uh, to pursue my doctorate in vocal performance and opera stage direction. Yeah. And then, like you said, I did some university teaching for five years where I was the opera director there at Arkansas State University. And um, I also taught voice. And then this all led me to where I am now, which is with an amazing organization, Opera Memphis. I'm really excited to talk about them and also what I'm doing personally. Sorry, I keep blabbing on, but... um, No, 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 I love it. Yeah, I recently had a baby. That's right, a brand new mama. (laughs) It's the craziest thing, but I currently am at home with a newborn while I work from home, as many of us do these days. So being a new mom has, um, I mean, it's, and being at home so much has led me to very much enjoying creating social media content and, um, this like mom home decor lifestyle related. Um, and I have started a sort of kind of micro influencer Instagram page that I will continue growing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that develop. So well, and it's not micro, lady, it's taken off. I mean, <laughs> to, to watch you build that in such a small amount of time has been incredible. But I want to take a step back because you've done a lot. So I hear a lot of creative enterprises throughout your whole life and your whole journey. And what has you with Opera Memphis right now doing what you're doing? Yeah, so I am officially, I'm called the McClee Fellow in directing. And that's how I was brought in. But really, you know, in nonprofits, we all wear all the hats, right? We, whatever is needed, we do. And so, yes, I do uh, direct shows and assistant direct shows, uh, which I love to do. I also do a lot of administrative work. And then the other thing that I should mention is that I, and I think you mentioned, I have a 
Latinx background. Uh, so in addition to my drafting work and artistic operations that I do uh, with them, I serve as a liaison for the Latinx community engagement. And that's something that I have a large passion for, obviously. So. Yeah. And how is it? I mean, like, look, our current world, you know, so many singers are um, feeling lost, right? So what is Opera Memphis doing during this time to to be with everything and continue to grow these conversations, especially in the Latin community. Super cool. Okay. I'm going to, yes. Go, go there. (laughs) Tell you all about it. It, And I might go off in tangents, but it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I love, I, I, I have so much love for this company and I think we're doing such great, innovative and amazing work. And I want to tell you all about it. So uh, working for them has been one of the best things to happen to me. And I never realized until I began working there that how much my worldviews aligned with the organization's mission. Mm. And so Opera Memphis is extremely committed to civic action using any capabilities and resources that we have to help uh, other organizations and communities to achieve like their goals, their uh, their missions or any projects that they have. And this dedication to civic action has allowed Opera Memphis to create really innovative work. So for example, we launched a program, I think it was eight or nine years ago, called 30 Days of Opera. And that consists of uh, 30 days of totally free opera performances across Memphis and the Mid-South. Uh, turning the opera house upside down and taking the music to you, right? With the idea that opera is already the people's art. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's really great because when the pandemic hit, we already had all these ideas and knowledge on how to take the music to the audiences without them attending a theater. So we were able to adapt Mm -hmm. quickly and we, uh, attached a trailer to the back of our opera van and headed out (laughs) to perform for neighborhoods, first organizations that were missing live music and live performances. And so this has uh, been accomplished completely socially distanced. And we've grown this idea. Now it's, we have a name for it. It's called Sing to Me and people purchase these performances and we head over to schools, neighborhoods. I think this past week we just did a bachelor party, right? Because people are looking at what, what can we just do? You know, we can't do anything. So, and we go to food banks. We did a couple food banks. And so it's a beautiful way to give to our community. But other than that, those programs the Sing to Me and the 30 Days of Opera, um, what you were asking about, uh, why, why we do what we do. I guess like in the words of our general director, Ned Kenty, he's always saying, what is opera's superpower, right? So yeah. what does, uh, why does opera, right? Opera, why does it deserve to exist? Like in a world with problems, with exactly. needs, with struggles, like what does opera do better than other art forms? Right. So opera is, in our opinion, an engine for creating empathy and opera allows us not only to hear and watch a story, but it allows us to feel the story. So it doesn't matter, you know, if that person or character 
singing and has anything to do with our lives when that person is mourning the loss of a loved one or when that person is so in love they could sing about it or so angry they could kill someone you know you we can relate we can connect we can feel what they're feeling so opera has that ability to bring people together to experience together what someone else is going through so how do we use that tool right that we have and we tell the stories about the people and so not just larger than life people but people like me people like you and with an art form that allows you to feel right you can bring greater empathy into this world and use these stories to kind of springboard the conversations that need to happen and that can lead to greater racial economic and social equity justice for your community in the world. Oh my gosh, lady. I cannot stress how important this work is that you're doing. I mean, especially in a time period when a lot of people in the arts, the arts in general, but even the opera world, right, are saying, this is dead. We can't revive it. We can't pivot. I mean, this is the rhetoric that we've been hearing for a while before the pandemic, right? But the pandemic has sort of pushed everybody into this corner now. And um, it's so refreshing to hear you and this opera Memphis doing something differently already and that it's already working. Like that ass. (laughs) I mean, that's what we need. And what are you finding uh, with bringing this art form into communities that are, don't have the privilege or the ability to have seen this before? What are you finding? It's, It's amazing. They're so appreciative and they, you know, just like I said, you know, it doesn't matter if we're singing in a different language. We don't have the fancy super titles, right? That can translate for everybody, but you can feel, you feel what something is about. Um, an opera allows you to really feel. So I think that's the most important thing. And it doesn't matter if you're in an undeserved you know, area or if you're in a not underdeserved area, um, you know, people can feel and people are so appreciative of just us being there and, and just to experience live live performing these days, right? People are just kind of- They're craving it. Yeah, Yeah, they're craving it because it's missing. Oh my goodness. Well, tell me what limiting belief you had to let go of to actually get to where you're at now. I mean, because I remember you in undergrad, you know, we both were like, can we even have a career in opera? (laughs) No. So all I remember about you is literally you were just the star of- all of New Mexico to me. Oh gosh. Because you, you know, everyone loved you. Everyone talked about how wonderful you were. And then, you know, your voice was just so gorgeous. And I was just a little freshman and, um, you know, I had so much to work on. I didn't know a lot. And so it was, so anyway, I don't know why I started. Oh, so yeah, I had a lot of limiting beliefs. That's why you were asking. (laughs) But I like that question because I realized that I've always suffered from imposter syndrome. And I think that's really common. And I think a lot of us have it, but some of us have it obviously uh, more intense than others. So since Mm. I can remember, I have always felt doubt and despite any accomplishments and despite my talents and I've internalized like this fear of being exposed as a fraud. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, me too. (laughs) All the time. I know. And Weirdly, I think it happens to a lot of women. I mean, I don't know. I think that um, that there's something to be said for to that. Um, so. Yeah, I think I definitely noticed with my clients more women than men, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that has that's been with me for a long time. I think it stems from 
me being an immigrant, really being growing up already knowing that I was somewhere where I felt that I would have to assimilate to belong. Um, and so, you know, I would say that internal feeling is what kept me from the self-realization more than anything. How have you let go of it? Or actually probably not let go of it because we never really let go of it, but how do you choose outside of it daily? (laughs) (laughs) If if you do, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I think it's who your mentors, right? I have a great mentor uh, with my boss, I guess. You know, I have a great husband who tells me like, you can do this. You know, I would have never done the social media stuff had my husband not been like, you know, you're, you're really good. You're really, really good at it too. I just want to highlight, we're going to, we're going to put that link there so people can follow you, but all of the beautiful designing that you do. I'm like, can I just fly her here to design my home? I (laughs) would You sent me this, like, how to prep for this interview, and it was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. I was like, she literally just made that to tell us how to prep for this. And it's the most beautiful, like, document ever. Uh, Thank you. Well, I have a team, so I won't take credit for that. But yes, I mean, to your point, teams. A lot of women think that, that we have to do it alone or that we have to do everything by ourselves, right? And so for you, hearing your team, who else is on your team? That's Your husband, your boss, you said? Yeah. I would say those two. Those two. Yeah. Solid support. Oh boy. He's definitely on my team. Um, But yeah, for me, you know, I'm I'm just starting. So hopefully I gain a big team, a large team like you. Uh, But yeah, for me, those are my big supporters. Yeah. Well, and what do you hope to disrupt in the world through your work? I love that question. First of all, like disrupting something I never thought about that, but just like I was telling you about how we can create empathy in this world and that it says a lot in and of itself. Uh, I want to disrupt divisiveness and I want to disrupt Mm. apathy and selfishness. Yeah. So, and I think that through the work that we do, we certainly can accomplish that. Yeah. Well, and I love that you hit on this earlier when you said empathy through opera, because, you know, we're talking a lot about that. How do we have open-hearted leadership? How do we create empathy in the world? And each woman that's spoken so far has, has looked through this lens of who do we want to be as we welcome in the new, the new year. And so I hear that that's something you're a big stand for. And I'm wondering um, if people were wanting to help you create that? What would you ask of them or what, what support would you need from the world through the next couple months, you know, as you work with Opera Memphis to really turn this around and and bring music to the people in a different way? Yeah. Empathy embodies a lot of things, right? Like the capacity to really understand and feel what other person is experiencing, is experiencing from their frame of reference right? Which is different from your frame of reference. And I think that is key. So to trying to do that from their frame of reference is something that could change a lot of this world. And I think listening, I think listening is involved, right? I those, feel are, like- those are some big ones <laughs> that you just hit on. They're kind of, they're kind of big in a very big way. No. Yeah. yeah. Like hearing, really listening to people. Well, I feel like I'm such a, I always tell my husband, I'm like, if people would just hear each other out, you know, I'm just that kind of a person. There's so much anger going on. And when I think about what makes me angry, I've always, I take it back to not feeling heard. Mm. Right. And I think that 
if we all committed to just only listening and but really hearing, not just listening, but hearing one another. And that would be helpful in just de-escalation and just eventually leads to conversation, right? Um, and trust. And I don't think that, I don't know, I don't think it's about differences of opinion. It's just about making others feel heard. And it's all like a circle that leads to empathy. And being in the same conversation together, it sounds like, as opposed to opposing sides, which is what we love to do, especially in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is a bit of a left turn, but tell me what gifts you've gotten from becoming a mom. What have you learned about yourself? I love that. Um, what have I learned about myself? Um, I think as all moms, you know, you just realize that you're a good mom. <laughs> <laughs> There's no playbook. <laughs> oh, definitely no playbook. I can endure a lot. That's for sure. It was not easy bringing him into the world, you know, so um, yeah that I'm a good mom and that no one can raise him and no one can be his mom, right? Like I can be his mom. Uh, so yeah, gosh, that's a lot. I've learned a lot being a mom. It's changed me completely, you know? And I think that brings me to well, one of your questions that was, what was it? I think it was like taking care of yourself. Or yeah. Anything. How do you take care of yourself now? What's the new norm? Well, I feel like in today's world, like we we have a responsibility to like slow down and take care of ourselves, right? Self-care is, is, is a thing that we all should do. And culturally busy is the new normal, right? I know for me at many points, like being busy, being busy has been like a status symbol for myself. And so you see everyone posting it. You, you, so there's something to be said about the glorification of busy. Oh yeah. People do a lot. And I, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm a huge believer in hard work, but slower lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean less success in my opinion. And this pandemic has given me an opportunity to change my relationship with busy. And I think a lot of people are realizing that tomorrow isn't promised and nothing is really guaranteed. And for me, I know that things are shifting and I, Mm. I really like it because I don't know, but to actually answer your question, I, how do I wind down? I'm a huge homebody. I don't like unwind doing things outside of my home. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but no, I'm the same. That- That's why I'm laughing. I'm so in- like an introvert that I enjoy my alone time. <laughs> I'm such an introvert. Um, and it's funny because we're performers. So that's been hard because I have a baby at home. So like, I can't really chill and unwind at home. So I have to tell my husband like, I, cause he'll be like, well, just go do something. And I'm just like, I don't unwind going and doing something. So, uh, I have to be like, can you please just watch him while, so I don't have to worry about him for a, a while in my home. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And it's so clear. It's very like clear communication. This is what I need, which is also a thing I think that people are learning to practice during this time. What do I need? It's a good point. Yeah. Amazing. Well, okay. I've been asking everybody these two questions, these next two questions, which is if you had a time machine and you could go back in time 20 years to tell yourself something or give yourself some advice, what would you say? I don't even know. Um, (laughs) The biggest one would be like, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush to like, for example, I was like, I have to undergrad four years, like no question that, you know, I was just in a rush, in a rush. Like 
I killed myself doing that. And then my master's two years, like that's it. I can't take any time off. I've got to go get my doctorate. I, I don't know why I was also always so stressed out about it. I just don't understand. And now you're like, what was the big rush for? <laughs> oh, yes. No idea. And I think it's just these expectations you put on yourself. Like you see another person being like that and you're like, okay, me too. Right. And yeah. at least that's how I was. I just, yeah. that's how I learned how to do things. So for example, like my parents, you know, were immigrants, so they never pushed me to do things. So I would just watch other people. And I was like an observer and like gathering, okay, this is how you do things. Yeah. Same, same. I think where we come from, you know, to culturally uh, working hard equal success, right? And overworking, working yourself to the bone. So we both had to unlearn a little bit of that to enjoy. Yeah. Well, what's your big hope for 2021? So if you had a megaphone and you had to make a statement leading us all into the new world, what would you say? Let's all listen to each other. (laughs) That's the big one. Listen, open your ears. (laughs) Like, let's just have conversations. Speak to have a conversation. Like, don't just speak to like, period. Hmm. Yeah, don't speak to respond. Just listen. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You are incredible. I'm so happy for you. Can I say I'm proud of you? I don't know if I can say I'm proud of you, but I've always thought of you as a little sister. (laughs) And I'm so incredibly proud of you and honored of what you're doing in the world. You're making some big, big changes. So thanks for being that woman. It's incredible. Thank you, Elena. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored.